is Jared the GM live at Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. Come on out and see us. Hal Gill going to join us at 530, of course, before Predators game day. Preds tonight against Anaheim right here at Bridgestone Arena. We've got a lot of Titans to get into, which, of course, we've been all over all week. But, Floyd, big week in the SEC this past weekend. We haven't really hit on much of it. And so I think we kind of go case by case and kind of go over it because, in my opinion, a lot happened this week. A lot changed this week as far as the Southeastern Conference is concerned. And I start with Tennessee and Alabama, but not with the Tennessee side of that. We'll get to that in a second. But Tua Tungavailoa hurt again. Hurt his ankle last year, hurt the other ankle apparently the same way, had a procedure. He's out for Arkansas, but LSU is in two or three weeks, and I don't know if Tua is going to be ready for that. And LSU keeps playing great ball. So what do we think about the way Alabama looked against Tennessee, and what do we think about the idea of Alabama without Tua trying to navigate the West? Well, they... um... They weren't the same without two. I mean, you can't be the same. Uh, given that, you know, the young quarterback that came in, I mean, he hung in there. He's playing Tennessee, so probably not a great threat. Um, Neither will Arkansas th- be thought, this week. Yeah, I thought that uh, I thought that Alabama, you know, just played so-so. I mean, they, they were okay. I, I really thought Tennessee played well. You know, it's amazing that you can look at a game and – and lose by, you know, they got twice, I think it was, what, it was 35-13 or something. So they, like, doubled them in the scoreboard. And yet you can say, yeah, they, they played okay. The thing that I see with Tennessee in my mind is I think over the last two games and, and a half, two and a half games, they have gotten better. You can look at them. You can see them do things. You can see um, the efficiency the way they're doing. You can see production the way they're doing. And they're doing with a bunch of different quarterbacks. Uh, but you can the, uh, the uh, lines of scrimmage on both sides, I think they're definitely getting better. So that's a, that's a positive. This game this week for them, South Carolina, I mean, this may be the biggest game of the year. So I thought for Tennessee's sake, I thought what I was impressed with was they competed the whole game. You know, they were never going to beat Alabama, and we all knew that. But they played hard on every play. That's why I found found the Garantano thing to be so disappointing was how you let down the other ten guys that are fighting their butt off in this football game, and then you go and do something that, I mean, I'm not going to bag on Garantano because he's a college kid and he made a decision, and it was a bad decision, and it was probably a selfish decision. But I'm not going to knock on Garantano like that, like a lot of people were. But I can see why Pruitt was so upset, and I can see why, you know, it, like I was kind of upset for the other ten guys on the field and the other guys on the Tennessee defense have been fighting their butt off in that game. Oh. I, I will tell you this, though. I have not been impressed with Alabama at all this year, and that's with Tua. So if Tua's hurt, I think LSU goes in there and kicks the daylights out of Alabama if Tua's out. If Tua does not play against LSU, LSU will light up the scoreboard against them. Mm. LSU is too good. They are freaking LSU good. LSU is good. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but I, I'm not sure. With no Tua? I'm not sure. Well, Tua will be back. Well, and, they and don't I think the part that know, I, and it's three weeks from now, and nah, I don't. He'll be back. Uh, I don't know. They first called it a high ankle sprain. And then they said there was surgery. 
So I don't know what that is. That'll be interesting to to see what the deal is. But if it's the same thing he had on the other one, then they obviously know what it is and and know how to care for it. Um, but I, I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll be back. I just I. I mean, nobody, in my opinion, I don't think anybody's going to just kick the crap out of Alabama. doesn't mean they won't beat them. We saw in the national championship game. I mean, it happens. If you're playing for national championship, there might be exceptions. Alabama is in two weeks. I mean, uh, LSU is in, well, three weeks because they have a bye. So Arkansas this week. Then, I think I'm reading this right, Arkansas this week, bye week LSU. I don't know if Tua will be back for LSU. If he's back for LSU and is healthy, he'll never be 100% the rest of the season. We saw that last year, that after he had the injury to the other ankle, he was never 100% the rest of the way. But if Tua plays, then I think it'll be a good ball game. I'll still probably take LSU. But if Tua doesn't play, LSU, something like 27-6. to six. Because I, I just think they will blow them out. LSU is freaking good. Uh, another thing, another Vanderbilt. I don't know if you watched the Vanderbilt game. I don't know how many people around Nashville watched the Vanderbilt game. Oh, yeah. Vandy, we talk about Tennessee competing on Saturday. I thought Vandy competed really hard. Derek Mason wins the game. Now, a lot of people were talking about how Derek Mason, there were a lot of questions about his job security, and I read the article in the Tennessean, too, and so did everybody else, and I never once felt like Derek Mason's job was or is in jeopardy or should be in jeopardy only because I just don't think Vanderbilt has the grounds to get up on a high horse and fire somebody. <laughs> like, I, I, like, how can you fire this coach when nobody's going to want to come and coach here? Like, nobody, Vanderbilt is a joke. And so, but at least the one thing I'll give Derek Mason credit for, and I don't even think Derek Mason's that good of a coach. I don't. But the one thing I'll give him credit for is those players, that defense, they fought their butts off for him on Saturday against Missouri. And a complete op- a complete opposite of what it was the, the week before. Mm-hmm. You know, the week before, the defense played so poorly against UNLV. And you're thinking to yourself, how can you play that poorly against UNLV and then turn around and play that well against Missouri? But they did it. Um, so, I mean, I, I think uh, I think that was a, a great win for them, big-time win. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think Derek – I mean, they can't find anybody to coach that team better than Derek. And, I mean, and being could, less but... of a problem. Right. Because I mean, there are not many. There are not many coaches. Period, that would come in there and and go through the, all the stuff he goes through. I mean, let me just put it that way. And and uh, you may get some young guy that wants to be a head coach so badly he'll do it, but that he's not going to do it better, you know. And and so I mean, I think they would have a really really hard time finding somebody better than Derek. Georgia goes into the half scoreless with Kentucky and Athens. They end up winning 21 nothing. I watched a lot of that game. I'm worried about the Georgia Bulldogs. They can't get a first down. Georgia and Kentucky not, can't throw the ball. And if Kentucky could throw the ball, Kentucky probably would have won Saturday. Georgia has not played well for, you know, three halves. I mean, it's been a while. They've, they just haven't played well. And I don't know what that – I don't know why that is, but, you know, it's not – 
and this is what we talk about all the time, but it's not up to Georgia's standards. You know, you expect Georgia to go out and play well. I don't care who they play. Um, and and that was not the case. I mean, I agree with you. They did not play well. Well, the way Georgia has been playing, they will lose to Florida. They will lose to Florida the way they've been playing, and they will definitely lose at Auburn. They may lose three games in the regular season this year. Can you imagine that with all the preseason hype and all the recruiting classes and everything Kirby's done there, for this team to lose three games in the regular season? And for Fromm, I mean, people are telling me this guy's a first-round draft pick. People are telling me Fromm might be the next quarterback of the Titans, and they couldn't get a first down against Kentucky in the first half last week. And really, if, uh, what's his name, Uh, DeAndre Swift doesn't break a huge one and take it to the house, and then Kentucky just run into the fact that they literally can't throw, they probably lose. If Kentucky had a competent throwing quarterback, they probably lose that game. So I'm worried about Georgia. I think Georgia is in real trouble. And then Florida got into a little back and forth with South Carolina. They ended up winning the game. Trask made some plays in the second half. I thought the game was so poorly officiated, I could not walk away with a thought on anything. Trask, I thought Trask really, really played well. And my question for them is, is that Trask or is that the best game he's going to play all year long? Because if that's if that is Trask, then they've got a chance to win a bunch of games. If that's the best game he's ever played and may never to go do it again, then you know they. I don't think they'll beat Georgia. So How beautiful I, was that throw on the sideline for the touchdown where oh, the receiver wasn't right open and he just threw it? He was unbelievable. I mean, he was out of his mind, and and it was good to see. You know, here a guy comes in and and takes over, and you know, I mean, the way it is now, the other guy will never get his job back. The, so. uh, the other one, the other observation I have in the weekend is I watched pretty much all of Clemson-Louisville, and I will say this, and I mean it, Clemson is overrated. Clemson, off of this weekend, you would say Clemson, Georgia, uh, or Missouri in the SEC, three of the teams that you thought, I mean, Missouri was ranked number one in the East. They were the number one team in the East. They had a 30% chance to win the East and so, going into that game. you know, of those teams, you're looking at them and you're saying, uh-oh, uh, they, they may have a hard time here. We'll get to your college football calls, but coming up next, is Derek Mason on the hot seat at Vanderbilt? Should Derek Mason be on the hot seat at Vanderbilt? Should Vanderbilt fire Derek Mason? Can they get a better coach than Derek Mason? We'll discuss next. Jared and the GM live here from Pete and Terry's Tavern at the Sobro entrance right here at Bridgestone Arena. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. Plus, we're giving away some Nashville SC tickets later today, so get excited about that. It's Jared and the GM right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. First of all, you know, honor to God. You know, it's been a, it's been a rough patch. Man, but I told my team this, and I want everybody to understand this, okay? A lot of people want this job, so they think, but I'm the man that's built for this job. Every day, man, we grind. We grind. Don't question us. Don't question who we are, what we do, or how we play. We're Vanderbilt men. Commodores Akron, die! Derek Mason excited of his win after the Missouri game. And you heard what he said right there, you know, that, hey, don't question us. I'm the man built for this job. And I think he said it a lot better uh, at the press conference when he was talking to the media. I think he said it a lot better. I guess he had a walk-off answer uh, from his press conference 
on Saturday, and he was asked, I guess, about the job situation, or I don't know, it came up for whatever it's worth. And Derek Mason said, and I'm going off of Joe Rexroad that, that wrote this, Derek Mason said, quote, everybody, and of course Vanderbilt, because they're such a non-popular university, does not even put their press conferences online, which is embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, a major college university to not have their press conferences on YouTube to just pull up is just ridiculous, which will lead me down to the road of the ridiculousness of Vanderbilt here in a second. Derek Mason, last word, quote, Everyone thinks they want this job, but I can tell you for sure I'm one of the few men in this country that are built for this job the way it sits today. You can question me about decision-making, but, but decision-making, man, but don't question me about being a Commodore and got up and walked out. And to me, what that says is there's a lot of coaches in the country who think they can coach here, who think, oh, yeah, I could be a coach at an SEC school. I could coach Vanderbilt, but let me tell you something. This place sucks, and I know how to coach here. And that's what Derek Mason was saying right there. And I don't disagree with Derek Mason. This is what Derek Mason said on Saturday. Last thing I'll say, man, because I think I need to say this, and I said it to the media, you know, outside, so I'll say it to you. Everybody thinks they want this job. Everybody thinks they want this job. But I can tell you for sure that I'm one of maybe a few men in this country that's built for this job. The way it sits today. Man, I love this team. I love Vanderbilt. I'm a Commodore through and through. But the, the, you, you, can, you can question me about decision-making, man, man. But don't question me about being a Commodore. Anchor down. And that's the end of it. And you know what? I see where he's coming from. I don't have anything. Look, do I think Derek, do, we'll be honest. I think Derek Mason, the guy, is the nicest guy in the world. I don't think Derek Mason's a really good coach, to be honest with you. I mean, I watch every Vanderbilt game for the most part, unless there's a bunch of other games I want to watch on. I don't think he's a great coach. I don't think he's a great coach strategically. I don't think he develops players all that well. I don't think he manages coordinators. I think both of his coordinators suck. Like, I don't think Derek Mason is a great coach. But to me, Vanderbilt Floyd has not done enough and is not willing to care enough to make me think that, you know what, maybe you guys deserve better than Derek Mason. I don't think that. You guys deserve probably worse than Derek Mason for what you give him to deal with. So I think I would be appalled if Vanderbilt fired Derek Mason. And yet I don't think he's a great coach. But if you're a great coach, are you going to be coaching at Vanderbilt? They had a great coach. He spent three years there and couldn't take a second more. And he was out of here as fast as he could. That's most people take the Vanderbilt job in hopes, in hopes that you can cheat, lie, and steal and get a couple of decent seasons out of it to go get the next job. I mean, nobody wants to make it, wants to settle down at, in Vanderbilt, at Vanderbilt. Nobody. Nobody that's a great coach, like you're saying now. For a guy, I would agree with Derek. I don't know that they're off the top of my head, and I'd have to think about this long and hard. I don't know that I know of a better guy equipped for that job. Just what we know of it. Because it is not an easy job. It's like the Marvin Lewis of the SEC. are a head coach in the NFL, I mean in the SEC, which is big time. That's a big time job. Yes. But 
It's Vanderbilt. And we all know that Vanderbilt, I mean, Vanderbilt shouldn't be in the SEC. You know, they should be in the AAC or something, you know, a smaller conference where they could compete. But they they go in there and they give him say okay here are the here are the outlines of this job and this is and he said fine I'll take it and I think the longer he's there the more he buys into it may not agree with any of it but for whatever ability for whatever reason he has the ability to buy into it I think, and I I think a ton of credit should go his way well remember what you always told me about your pro golfer friend. That if you're going to be a pro golfer, it's a great living. If you're okay with the fact that every week you're going to be behind Rory McIlroy and Ricky Fowler and all of those guys are all going to win. And every week you're going to finish 23rd and walk out of a check with $47,000. And if you can do that every weekend and make $47,000 every weekend, then you know what? More power to you. But you're never going to be Tiger Woods. There are a lot of coaches in this country that think – I could go beat Tiger Woods at Vanderbilt. No, you can't. Derek, I think when he took the job, thought I can go win at Vanderbilt. I think Derek looks at it now like I can take my 47000 every weekend and I can live with it. I, I, can, I can be a golfer who's not Ricky Fowler, who's not Rory McIlroy, who's not one of these big-time golfers, and I can live with it. And, and he's in his – I mean, he's, he was a Stanford. So he knows what it is to coach a little bit of a different breed when it comes to football players. I mean, the the Stanford player and the Vandy player aren't the same as, you know, another school's player. The Georgia player. And so I think, you know, you get to the point where you like coaching kids like that. You like them for... For who they are, you like them for how they practice, you like them for whatever reason it is. Knowing that, you know, you're going to go out there and I'm going to go to war with all these kids and I love these kids and and they're going to be Commodores for life and they're going to and all that. Now, am I going to go out here and win the SEC East? Uh, probably ain't going to happen, you know. So, so I, I go back to this. Different. I don't think Derek Mason is a really good – I mean, I don't think he's a really good coach, but – and, and, I mean, getting curb stomped by UNLV is embarrassing. But I don't see Vanderbilt doing anything to warrant better treatment than that. So, they for every have, UNLV curb stomping you'll get, you'll get a surprise win over Missouri. a good SEC. There you go. And you'll get a good, it. nice, hard-fought, way to go, pat on the back, win four games. And so, you, you know, you feel really, really bad that they lost to UNLV, and you know they felt bad. And I don't know if he took a bunch of criticism for that or not. But then they turn around and beat Missouri. And so all of a sudden you say, well, where's, where's all the credit I should get for beating Missouri if I'm going to get that much grief for losing to UNLV? And I don't know where all of a sudden all this talk about him getting fired came up. I don't know. Is it the new AD? Well, I guess he fired the basketball coach, so maybe he'd be. I think the new AD was asked. I saw a headline during the game broadcast on Saturday. Uh, because I like to me, I'll be honest with you. I wonder if we're losing listeners right now by talking about Vanderbilt. <laughs> I, you think I'm kidding? I mean, Vanderbilt is freaking irrelevant in this city. Oh yeah. I mean, they are they are 42nd in terms of things we could talk about on the radio. I, I bet you. What do you What do you think happens? More people care about the World Series 
or more people care about Vanderbilt <laughs> in Nashville? I would probably the World Series. I think more people care about the World Series. Um, and, and so, I, to me, I guess the new AD was noncommittal on Mason's status. I mean, if they let this guy fire Derek Mason and he brings in somebody from the G League to coach football, because that's the only place this guy knows where to hire from, from what I've been told, uh, and they bring in, you know, some what? Who's this guy going to hire? He's a minor league basketball guy. Who's he going to hire to coach football at Vanderbilt that can do better than beat Tennessee three years in a row? Remember, I was 16 years old the first time Vanderbilt beat Tennessee in my lifetime. They've embarrassed him three years in a row. And you think this basketball AD is going to go out there and find a football coach who can coach better than Derek Mason, be less of a problem than Derek Mason, because Derek is zero on the problem scale, and on top of that, not rock the boat. Because as soon as if you get a good coach, What's going to happen as soon as he has any success at Vanderbilt? He's gone. Out of here. See you. Goodbye. Absolutely. And you're right back in the same boat. What they need to do is they need to invest a bunch of money into the program and into Derek. And then if Derek loses, then fine. Fire the guy. I don't care. But where it sits right now, which is exactly what Derek was pointing to, when he said where it sits right now, he's saying, with the crap you guys give me, nobody can do this with a smile on their face like I can. As Trevor continues to bring up, don't forget, they are remodeling the bathrooms in the stadium. That is a step in the right direction. I told you what I would do. So. I told you what I would do with that stadium. <laughs> if I were the SEC commissioner... I would call Vanderbilt, and I would say, if you don't fix that in two years, you're not playing an SEC game in that stadium. So you can play UNLV, and you can play ETSU, and you can play Crap Bum State, and you can play all those guys, but you ain't playing Georgia or LSU in that stadium. you got to play it at Nissan Stadium. And then, you know, the Vandy AD will probably cry to me and say, well, if we play Georgia at Nissan Stadium, it'd be 70,000 Georgia fans. Right, so build a stadium. I mean, that's, uh, I, I would not, first of all, I don't know how the fire marshal okays that place for football. Do you know how hard it is to get in and out of the, like, the seating areas? Oh, it's awful. If there's a fire in that stadium, people probably would die. Like, there is no exit strategy if something bad happens. Like, you go to a Titan game, and they have a thing with Mike Keith that's where he's breaking down how you get out of the stadium in case of an emergency. I think they should have one at Vanderbilt that's like, when attending a game at Vanderbilt Stadium, in order to exit the building safely in case of emergency, please put your hands together and pray. Thank you. That place is a death trap. And the SEC lets them play football games there? So, again, to go back to the original point, I'm okay with firing Derek Mason. If there was any avenue to you winning football games after you did it, and where I sit right now, I don't think there is. That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. And the AD, the new AD, who's who's he know to hire? I mean, he's not going to know the right guy to bring back, bring in. Calipari to bring in coach basketball. It's going to bring in just a, a, a continued pain. The guy's going to come in. If he wins a couple games, he's going to start griping about the facilities and griping about the stadium and 
It'd be a pain for everybody. Do, should we get to the calls on this, or should we get to Ryan Tannehill? I, to me, I just don't know how many people actually care about Vanderbilt. I don't. Like, I, like how many people in this town care about Vanderbilt Commodore football? 20,000, maybe? Vanderbilt doesn't care about Vanderbilt football. I mean, that's the sad part. You know, you go, when's the last time you have ever been to or seen a Vandy game against anybody that's a legitimate opponent that there's more Vandy people there than the opponent? <laughs> you play Georgia, they're Georgia. You play Alabama, they're Alabama. You play I, Florida, in 2012, they're Florida. they played a really good South Carolina team to open the season, and I think it was like 50 50 in the crowd. It's, it's sad. But. So do you want to take calls in this, or you want to talk about Tannehill? Uh, well, uh, Tannehill, I would say. Well, we'll do both. 615-737-1025. why do you ask? Because I'll make the decision. <laughs> I'll make a decision. You then why'd you ask me? Just make the decision. Well, I'll make the decision based upon how many people actually want to talk about it. No one wants to talk about Derek Mason. We'll go right to Tannehill. 615-737-1025. Jared and the GM. As we are live from Pete and Terry's Tavern right here, CSPN 1025, the game. Jared, the GM, we're live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. I still can't decide if we should just move on to Tannehill or if we should take the Vandy calls. I'm torn. I feel like every second you talk about Vandy football, one less person listens. And yet I feel like it's our job to defend the coach, Floyd, so it's a tough spot to be in. Don't look for an opinion from me. I mean, to me, this is the thing. I feel like talking about Vandy's a waste of time. They're never going to be good. They're never going to care enough to be good. So they can hire a new AD who says, I'm going to make us good. But do you think the school's going to say, okay, Malcolm, here's $200 million to catch up to the rest of the SEC? 200 200 would catch them up to the rest of the SEC. No. <laughs> they just kept, I mean, uh, who is it? Uh, like South Carolina just put another $70 million into their stadium, and they just did it three years ago. I mean, they are so far behind. They, it would literally take them 10 years to catch up. I even truly if, believe that. Even if, like, even if Vandy got their own T-Boom Pickens, who gives them $650 million. I don't, they would No, they would need billions. That's not true. Billions to catch up. They get $600 million, they'd be okay. No. Six hundred million wouldn't even. What do you think a stadium cost? A new stadium for Vandy? Well, didn't David Williams say they were going to try to keep it like in the ninety million range? David like Williams that? doesn't know. <laughs> That's what <laughs> you can't. By the way, Jeez. someone says all the talk about a new stadium. I go anytime Vanderbilt talks about a new stadium, that is all it is. Talk, talk. There is no substance behind that. We'll take a call. Grant is up next on Vandy. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Grant. Just thought I'd call to prove there were some real Vandy fans out there listening. Um, my thought is you're six seasons in on Derek Mason, hadn't had a winning season yet. I think you got to fire him. And you guys made the point of, oh, well, if we do get a good coach, then he's just going to leave for a better job. I don't think that's the end of the world. I think, you know, maybe if you become like a Houston-type program where it's a stepping stone for coaches to make their way up, that could be a good scenario for Vanderbilt. So. I'll hang up and listen. Do you know how hard it would be? Thank you for the call. Do you know how hard it would be for a coach to come in here and have success? Like the idea of, well, you guys say that if we fire Mason and we get a good coach, and then that coach will leave. 
Well, do you know how hard it? What are the odds of Vanderbilt finding a quote unquote good coach? I mean, I like what? What are the odds of a good school finding a good like coach? Much girl, less Vandy. They don't, Georgia. I mean, Florida Houston, couldn't find a good coach. Houston just built a new stadium on campus. Houston had when I was there. Now this was a while ago, but I mean it's maybe fifteen years old now. Had just built a new like two hundred and fifty million dollar football facility. That is so much better than anything. If you've got a choice between going to Vandy and going to Houston, you're going to Houston unless you want the Vandy education. But from a football standpoint, you're going to Houston. Well, Houston needed to find a football coach. What they do? They paid West Virginia's coach more money than West Virginia wanted they to pay. Got Houston. I mean, some of these programs, people are, are acting like they're below us kind of thing. And I'm here to tell you now. Vandy's, they need to, and I remember when the, when the guy at University of Houston built a facility there. He's a, he owned the, the uh, San Diego Padres. Had a jet, got in a jet, and he went around the country to like the 10 newest facilities in the country and took a little bit of each one of them. Said, I really like that. Okay, let's do that. I like that. And they built that at you. Vandy needs to do that to just see what everybody else has. They have no clue. They have no idea. If they haven't been to a Clemson and their new facility, they don't they would be shocked. I mean it's you're talking about night and day, literally night and day. Well, like Jordan Rogers told me like three or four years ago, he said, dude, it doesn't matter who's the coach at Vandy. He said it doesn't matter. He goes, it doesn't matter who the AD is. He said it doesn't matter. It only matters about the people at the very top that are going to commit to football. And he told me that, and I thought, you know, if they got a better coach than Mason, though, they'd win some. No, he was right. He was right. I mean, there, it's the, the idea, like, what are the chances if they fire Mason that they hire a better coach? Zero. Like, well, I mean, there's a chance they could hire a better coach. No, zero. It's better than zero. No. You could never, you can't hire a better coach. But look how hard it is for Texas to find a good coach. And they're Texas. You can't, you've got school after school in the SEC that really cares about football, that spend millions and millions yearly on football, that can't hire a good coach. So what makes you think Vandy's going to do it? There is no chance. So, I mean, like, we, like if they fired Derek Mason, let's say it came. By the way, the, the only way that I see them firing Derek Mason is if this new AD is just a guy who just wants to hire all of his coaches. Like, if he just wants, because it was inexplicable to keep the women's basketball coach and fire the men's basketball coach, because the women's basketball coach arguably worse than the men's basketball coach, and that was hard to do. I mean, the men's basketball coach didn't win a game. But so if he comes in and fires Derek after one season, that'll tell me that this is just Johnny. I want to hire all my coaches. And I have no faith in this new athletic director. I've never even met the new athletic director. I am the, we are the drive time afternoon show on the ESPN station in town. And we have never met the Vanderbilt athletic director. Which means the Vanderbilt athletic, seen him. the Vanderbilt athletic director has never gone out of his way to like introduce himself to us. Do you realize how, 
Rudy Kalis told me when he was at Channel 4 and you guys had moved from Houston that one time he was getting ready to host the Sunday show and you and Jeff Fisher were knocking on the doors. Hey, Rudy, let us in. Like, we want to come on the shows. And the Vanderbilt AD has never once said, like, you know, I'd really like to get to meet Floyd Reese, former general manager of the Titans, who hosts an afternoon drive time show, a very popular afternoon drive time show in Nashville. I'd really like to get to meet Floyd Reese because maybe the guy knows something. Just, you know, if Bill Belichick thinks the guy knows something, like maybe he does know something and can help me out a little bit because he's been here for 20 years. So maybe he can. You got a call from the Vanderbilt AD wanting to go to lunch, Floyd? <laughs> Like I said, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen him. I mean, I, you would think on a, and and I don't pay attention. I mean, I don't watch TV all that much. But you know, you would see him on a on an ESPN sports show or on a, you know, some kind of a. I, I don't think I've ever seen the guy. It's just it's embarrassing, and and you know what? I mean, I, I again, I don't know if anybody cares, and I'm not spending a second on this more after this. I'm not sure anybody cares, but I would say for Vanderbilt's sake, that if they do want to get talked about, firing Derek Mason may be the only way that it works because we will talk about that, and I think we'll hammer them if they fire Derek Mason just because we feel bad for Derek right now. Coming up next on the show here on Jared and the GM, D. Mace has a take about a move he, he thinks could be made surrounding a very popular Titan. Do we agree? We'll discuss next. Jared and the GM, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. It's ESPN 1025, the game. How for Delaney and how frustrating it was for him to give it a go and not really feel like himself. You know, always frustrated. Um, players, when, when, you know, they frustrated for them or disappointed for them that they can't, they can't operate and function at a level that they, they want to, whether they're sick, whether they're, injured or whatever you know, whatever the case may be so we'll kind of evaluate them as, as we move forward down the week and and hopefully we can um, get him in a position that we, where he can help us because that's where that's what he wants to do and that's what we want him to do that was Mike Vrabel talking about Delaney Walker's latest injury Delaney not playing a whole lot had a ball cap on for most of the game against the Chargers so I mean I, I guess I take Vrabel's word for it that Delaney's hurt I don't know one way or another. But I was listening to Morning Drive, Floyd, and D. Mace is not so sure Delaney is hurt, but thinks a move could be in the works. This is what D. Mace said. I've come to know Delaney as if the only way he's not playing is if he can't walk. And it didn't seem like he couldn't walk yesterday. It seemed like he still can go out there and and give them something. Oh, he could walk. Yeah, I just think. He was fine on Friday night when I saw him. I think they've gotten to a point now. Don't be surprised. Because I went through the same thing right before the trade deadline. You know, you're not playing as much. They cut your minutes back. They cut your playing back. They got a younger guy. All of a sudden. Looks looks healthy. Yeah, looks healthy. All of a sudden, now you get traded. Don't be surprised if Delaney Walker gets traded mm-hmm. now. And, and Delaney still can be, you know, a guy that can make plays for somebody. So they still can get something for him. But don't be surprised if Delaney gets mm-hmm. traded. Floyd, what do you think? D. Mace thinks Delaney could be on the block. What do you think about that? Well, I'm looking at it from the other team's perspective. You know, here's a guy that 
37. Tore his ankle up badly last year. Has missed a bunch of camp, a bunch of of preseason, who is now to the point that he's not playing very much. I mean, what kind of value is that? You know, what what do you what do you you give him a seventh if? Like I think it'd probably be a sixth. So a sixth for Delaney. I mean, look, if Emmanuel Sanders goes for a three and a four, then Delaney probably goes for a six. But to your point, is it worth it to the Titans to get a sixth in return for Delaney Walker? Yeah, I, I I would be. It would be a sixth if, you know, and they would add something to it. In my opinion, I I just don't see. Now, if he was twenty-seven or twenty-five, and and you'd seen him, you know, playing a little bit, but he wasn't as productive or wasn't any of those things. I mean, I gotta believe he's got more he's got more value to the Titans than he would to another club. What I wonder simply because of who he is. For what us. what I wonder is has Johnu Smith just passed him? Has Johnu passed him? Uh, is Johnu a better player than him? Johnu, is Pruitt John, a better blocker than him? Is Ferkser a better receiver than him? Johnu has some big play in him. That's the tantalizing part. Because you look at them and you say, hey, you know, this guy's got some run skills. He's got some speed. He's got some – he's catching much, much better. He's all those kind. It's the boneheaded mistakes he makes that ticks you off. You know, he's supposed to pass protect, can't do it. He, you know, gets a holding penalty, whatever it is. And and if he were to eliminate those things, then you'd be excited. But – but he's still not Delaney. I so then mean, why is Delaney, even in the games before Delaney got hurt, why is De- Delaney not playing more? Because his ankles hurt. I know, before he got hurt, though. Oh, I don't know. I don't. His snap counts kept going down game by game by game. Uh, yeah, I don't know that he's been really healthy all year long. I mean, just watching him. The first couple of games I watched him, he looked like he was half speed. Then he had one game in there, and we talked about I can't remember what game it was, uh, where he caught a ball, turned up the field, had a burst, looked like the eye, go, aha, there he is. Now he's back. Um, and then he's disappeared since then. So I don't know. I'm just judging. I mean, in my mind, it's all due to, to health, some way, shape, or form. So I guess I twofold on this. One, I, I would like to see Delaney. I would like to see the old Delaney back out there and making the plays of the old Delaney. I just don't know if the old Delaney still exists anymore. The other thing is, I mean, John, who, I know he does boneheaded stuff, but he's getting better. And he's starting to become, his yak yards are, something to, are starting to become a big deal. I mean, he's starting to make some plays for you out there on the football field. So maybe he does need more time. I love Ferkser. Everybody knows that. I think Tannehill, Ferkser is a much better player when Tannehill is the quarterback, which gives me hope that they'll, they'll get enough out of tight end, whether it's Delaney or not. I, I'm with you. I don't see them trading Delaney only because I can't see a team giving you a ton in return. But if someone called you up and offered you a fourth for Delaney, would you turn him down? No. So, I mean, if Emmanuel Sanders goes for a third and a fourth, what's Delaney worth? I mean, from what you've seen since the injury? Emmanuel Sanders a sucks. Seventh if. You would never have given a third and a fourth for Emmanuel Sanders. No. So the market rate of what guys are going for nowadays is different. Just because you wouldn't give well, it for Delaney doesn't mean that this dumb team wouldn't give it for Delaney. 37-year-old injured guy. 
Now, what are you going to give for that? I mean, he has not returned to, to the form of last year for whatever reason. Is it the injury? Is he just, is the age caught up? As if, but if you're, the, if you're another team, a trading team, none of those things are good. I mean, none of those things are incentive to trade for him. You know, so you start thinking about it and you go, wait a minute now. Why would we do that? I mean, the the team that's trading would have to be desperate. So something I want to circle back to. Bobby on Twitter says, Jared Stillman is sounding real hurt because the Vanderbilt AD hasn't tried to come on his show. But he just did an hour of radio with someone else. I have no idea who they're talking about, who the Vanderbilt AD did an hour of radio with. And I'm not here to put down the Vandy AD. We've never asked for the Vanderbilt Athletic Director. I don't think we've ever asked for him to come on this show, ever. Uh, there was one time when he took the job and he was going to come on the show, and they asked if he could come on the show, and we said yes, and then he canceled, and they said they'd, they'd come up with a time, and they never did, and we never circled back. Because, again, it doesn't help us to talk. If the Vandy AD offered to come on for one whole hour, we would say no. We would not talk to him for one hour. We would never talk about Vandy for one hour outside of inside of the month of August and the month of May. Now, outside of that, maybe we'll talk to Vandy. We'll talk about Vandy for an hour, but none of that inside outside. So the idea that we're hurt that the Vandy Athletic Director is coming on our show, I think, could not be further from the truth. <laughs> Let's go to your phones on Vandy, though. Scott wants to get in on Vandy. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Scott. You're right, it doesn't matter who the coach is, it doesn't matter who the AD is, and it doesn't matter if Stephen Pickham gives them a half a billion dollars to build a new stadium. You know what happens if they build a new stadium with 70,000 seats? That means Georgia and Florida and Auburn and LSU have 60,000 people at the Vandy game. That's what that means. <laughs> None of it matters until people start going to the games, until the students start going to the games and they come back as alumni. And there's no, you know, it's a cultural thing, and it does have to kind of start at the top, but there's no easy fix to that. They're, they're 50, 60 years behind on the culture, and there's no quick catch-up on that. They have a tiny student population compared to every other school except Ole Miss. Um, but, you know, even that, my wife works for Vanderbilt for the medical center. They had employee night. A, a couple of years back, uh, it was a non-conference. And let me guess, no, nobody went. Yeah, I, Scott, thank you for your call. Three tickets, three hamburgers. Scott, thank you. I would say, and, and this is just me, the problem with Vandy is actually worse than that. It is that 15 years ago, they had all of those same problems, but at least people in the city of Nashville cared. I'm not convinced the average Joe in Nashville cares about, oh, I know the average Joe doesn't. I don't think Vandy has any fans because they all died off or they're, you know, old. And, they, you know, the idea of getting young people to root for Vandy is just zero because they don't do anything to make young people root for them. Mike is up next quickly. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I did hear Malcolm Turner on another station last week, 560 a.m. And if I were him, I would not want to come on your show either because all y'all want to do is bash Vanderbilt, bash Vanderbilt. Hey, let's talk a little bit about UCLA, Floyd. I heard their baseball stadium's a dump. And how's their, their baseball stadium? Their yeah, baseball yeah, their team baseball is number one dump. in the country last year. Yeah, base- and who won the national championship? <laughs> they were the, and the and Vandy was number two into the tournament to UCLA. <laughs> they have a good team. They and their take- stadium's a dump. It's terrible. 
I mean, you can make fun of UCLA. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has a new locker room, new indoor practice facility, new baseball I mean, locker I'm not, room. But it's Mike. always negative. It's always negative. If you don't like it, move out of here. No. We don't, need you. we don't listen to you. No. The way the city is saying is we don't need you, Vandy. That's what this city is saying. This city, when I was a kid, people, obviously we had the Titans, but people cared about the Vols and Vandy, and they loved them. Even though Vandy sucked, they loved Vandy in this town, a certain amount of people. But you know what this town has said to Vandy? You're saying we don't need you. No, this city is saying we don't need you, Vandy. You don't give us anything. We got a Stanley Cup caliber hockey team. We got an NFL team. We got the NFL draft. We've got all these concerts that everybody wants to play in Nashville. We got minor league baseball selling out every day. Major league baseball has said we think about Nashville wanting to move there. All of these people want Nashville. Soccer, MLS is coming here. Guess what? They all want to be here. We don't need you, Vandy. That's who we don't need. Don't tell me that you don't need us. You do need us. That's why the coach, the nicest guy in the world, comes on with us all the time. Whenever we want the coach on, he tries to come on the show because the coach knows how important it is to get to the people in Nashville. But the people in Nashville just don't care. They don't. They don't care. It's like, well, you know. And I'm not here to badmouth other radio stations. Although, it's not that I've never done that before. But I'm not here to badmouth other radio stations. But if Malcolm Turner, if they called and they said, Jared, Malcolm Turner wants to come in studio for an hour, I'd say no. Because no, because people don't get a segment, maybe. But an hour? No shot. Nobody cares. If I came up to you, Floyd, and I said, we're going to talk to Vanderbilt AD for an hour today. How would you feel about that? I'd have to put my thinking cap on. <laughs> Come up with some good questions. For <laughs> I, mean, I mean, in all honesty, it may actually be good radio because it'd be you yelling at him, which may be exciting. But, I mean, just, no, we don't need you, Vandy. And I want Vandy. I grew up a Vandy fan, and I want Vandy to be good. But guess what? We don't need you. It's like I saw in the, in the Tennessee in the other day. Some historian came up with the most influential people in national baseball history. And I never thought I was going to talk about this because I know no one cares. But Tim Corbin was number two on the list. And I'm like, how is a college baseball coach who gets 4,000 people twice a year to his games number two? And the people that built First Tennessee Park, which has 11,000 people go every night, they're not up there. How? Because you, you won a couple of baseball games, won a championship that no one cares about? Congratulations. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know why I got ran it up. I mean, I'm like sweating over here. I, I don't even know why. Am I wrong with anything I just said? All over baseball. Never thought. Am I wrong <laughs> we ended about, up talking about baseball am I, anyway. Am I wrong about anything that I said about Vanderbilt right oh, now? Oh, I don't know. I didn't hear that. Uh, 615-737-1025. Jared and the GM. Coming up next here on the show, we have got to get to the latest Adam Schefter nugget, and I love it. Oh, I love this latest Adam Schefter nugget and why it involves the Titans. Jared and the GM at ESPN 1025 The Game.